So, oh, man. I'm excited. There's a lot of passing going to happen in that game, and, and people want to know if Dream's going to impact that. So, so anyway. is, And that's what we may see. That's what we may, I'm, I'm trending toward believing that. I think Snow will definitely be a factor. We have uh, three potential games that we are looking at. We, we, we posted two of them. You play them. Play them. You've got to. You're not going to not play them because of light snow. I mean, it. I'd rather... Welcome back, guys, to the Fantasy Football Weather Guys. It's NFL Week 2. I'm Doc V, meteorologist for the Fantasy Football Weather Guys. I'm here with my good friend and colleague, meteorologist Sean Bratton. Hey, Sean. Happy Friday. Happy Friday, Mike. How we doing going into Week 2? Oh, dude, I'm, I'm pumped, man. It was, uh, you know, it's been a crazy week. A, a lot of things going on in the weather world. Uh, but it was great to watch football last weekend and and. Yesterday, last night, what a game that was between the Bengals and the Browns. It was enjoyable. Yeah, for sure. Joe Burrow and uh, Baker Mayfield really going at it. Let me tell you, that was a much more exciting game than I think most people were expecting. Over 300 yards, 350 yards for Burrow, some touchdowns for Baker, people making plays, um, and it was an exciting matchup. Dude, I think Joe Burrow looks like the real deal. I mean, I am actually a little bit envious as a New York Jets fan because – I do not like the way you that the Sam Darrell looks like. I mean, it's just not a good story in New York for us right now. I mean, you got Adam Gaze as coach, so there, there's there's only a limit to how much uh, you can do under that offensive scheme with that coach. Yeah, for real. I mean, so I mean, NFL Week One's in in the books, right? Fantasy Football Week One is in the books. Mm-hmm. How how do you feel after going through the first week of football? It was it was a really I mean it was a great week and it was a really weird week at the at the same time there were some great surprises like I own J- uh, Josh Jacobs in in a bunch of leagues great performance three TD performance for Josh Jacobs Clyde Edwards-Helaire showed flashes of of brilliance uh, that was super exciting but then you had people like Drew Brees right Michael Thomas mm. going down um, he you know did not have a great performance for me uh, you know DJ Moore. Looked like he was lost on the field. Yeah. There were just a couple of players that you expected big things from and came up a little bit short. But everybody's got a little rust right now because there's no preseason, right? So uh, I think everyone gets a mulligan for the first week. Yeah, well, um, we played each other in one of our leagues, and I think you were the top scorer of the, of the week. You just killed it. Your teams have been really good. And, oh, yeah. you know, I, I do want to say I, I have a, um, some, some th- something to complain about here. You know, my fantasy football surprise nobody. My, my fantasy football team in our league of record, it scored the lowest out of any team this past week. Ninety-five points. I was literally yeah, and, that, and that's in a three wide receiver league too. That's not two. That's that's and uh, QBs get additional points per completion. So ninety-five is a very poor performance. Literally the worst performance of the year. And let me just tell you this: I had guys like. Odell Beckham Jr. Brian Edwards, the rookie for the Raiders. You didn't start him, though. I did. Carry on Johnson. Oh. 
Oh wow! And then, yeah, Carry On did, did nothing. These guys, field. these guys combined. Although for... Odell got you a touchdown last night, so right. He, he redeemed You're himself. Yes, he redeemed himself last night, but he still killed me week one. So I'm not happy about week one. But anyway, we'll move on from that. It's a fresh new week, guys. We're excited to be here today, and we're excited to talk about some of the interesting things that are happening on our planet. Because let me tell you, it's 2020. And there's a hell of a lot of things happening on our planet today that is just mind-boggling. So, Sean, what do you think? Do you want to start up this uh, this show here and, and get us going with some weather things? Yeah, so I think we're going to first start. Mike has up the website for us here, uh, and we previewed this last week. But again, just want to go over a few tools. Mike, I think it's good if we start with our weather table for the week. Yeah, yeah, let's bring it so up. So if you scroll down um, the website, you'll see that that's – essentially a summary of what to expect this week as far as weather and if there's any fantasy impacts. And right now, it is a quiet week. And we'll talk actually more about why it's going to be a quiet uh, week in a bit. Uh, but then we also have some additional tools for you to take a look at. Um, we, we have weather maps, and we previewed these yesterday. I want to quickly take a look at these. Because one cool feature about these maps, if and again, you can go on our website and take a look at these in depth uh, as much as you'd like. But you notice that there are circles with X's, and the color in those uh, circles, well, first off, those circles indicate stadiums, but then they also give us an impact or an idea as if there's gonna be an impact due to weather. Right. Um, so this is a really cool tool if you're like, hey, you know, I wanna look ahead, is there gonna be weather for a Monday night game or for a Sunday night game? You could do this your, yourself. Um, and we have uh, precipitation, so hey, is it gonna rain? And we also have a wind map as well and those are the big two of the big variables that we look at when it comes to is weather going to have an influence on fantasy football is how much rain are we getting and how windy is it going to be those are the two and then the other one being temperature as well yeah so mike you have anything to add here? yeah i just want to say that um for the stadiums that have circles with a little dot in them those are the stadiums that are essentially have a, an option or have a dome to cover up the field um so we you mm. know typically when there's bad weather we don't have to worry about those locations. That's why I'm just putting them on there um, to show you where those locations are. And these these stadiums will update each week the locations of them, depending on if there's a home game there. Um, and I think the last thing I want to mention is that if you see the, the green X in the circle, that's a no-impact um, day. If you see like an orange, shade, uh, orange color there, it's a caution, meaning there's some weather going on. There may or may not be impacts. It's something that we're keeping an eye on. And then if you see the red, the red X, that's where you know there's some extreme impacts coming, and we feel, you know, the, the, at least the forecast model that we're looking at uh, is saying is predicting some potential significant impacts. So that's the last thing I think is important from these guys here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Looking at those colors for game day for the times of the games is really, really important. Um, so if you're a person that's like, well, I just kind of want to take a look at what games are being impacted and what's the weather going to be. Maybe you're not into the map thing. We also have a blog that we update every week. Um, Mike, do you want to kind of navigate to that to that blog, the weather summary and impacts blog? Yes, sir. And we could take, we could take a quick look at at that. So under uh, the weather uh, or the fantasy uh, weather impact blog is the, the first option here. If you click on that, I provide and Mike, Mike and I provide a summary of what the weather in general is looking like for that week, just over the the U.S. And then we highlight some games that we potentially need to monitor or games that we're confident will have an impact. And this will kind of be updated throughout the week. And right now, the only game 
Um, and this is kind of swing because this is a impact game due to wind. And so our models are kind of going back and forth as to how much of an impact this may have. But the only potential for uh, an impact is um, at, uh, at Tampa Bay. So the Panthers are at, at the Bucks. Uh, temperature is going to be in the low 80s. No precipitation, but the one thing that we are monitoring is winds that can maybe potentially get up to 20 miles an hour plus, but we're, we're looking at more consistent winds around 10 to 15 miles an hour. Um, now that's on the lower end, so we don't expect there to be any major player impacts at this point um, in time, but we will update this throughout the weekend and especially Sunday if anything, uh, if anything changes. Yeah, it sounds like, uh, you know, pretty, pretty mild week in, in weather yeah. for, for NFL and we typically expect this, right? Early on in the season, we haven't really gotten to that fall pattern yet. We get those big storms. Exactly, and I mean, and, and yeah, typically as we transition into fall, that's when we see uh, the storm tracks navigate a little bit further south, and that's where we have, you know, a, a lot of bigger events as we go into into fall. But right now, typically, unless it's a tropical storm or convection, so that means thunderstorms or maybe some wind, we we usually don't see a lot of impacts this early on in the uh in the season um, but we have you know a huge area of high pressure over the united states which is causing there to be a lot of fair weather and so what we want to do here is we are the fantasy football weather guys um and we obviously care about fantasy football a lot and and and, and how that's influenced by weather but we you know we also want to you know kind of give an opportunity for us to talk a little bit more in depth about the weather especially weeks like this where there's not a single event that's impacting a series of games. Sometimes Mike and I are just going to want to kind of sit back and take a look at the look at the weather across the United States and say, okay, what is going on? Why do we have the weather we do? And, and you know, potentially are there any interesting events going on? Yeah, we want to nerd out. We want to talk about the weather and enjoy it and, and provide information, educational information here for you guys to kind of understand what we see. So maybe one day you can be up here with us talking about the weather, right? So absolutely, that's the dream. Yeah. So let's let's talk about Sunday. Let's talk about the synoptic pattern here, uh, the large scale pattern here for Sunday. There's something that is jumping off the screen here on this on this precipitation plot, Sean. Mm. Yeah, where do you see a lot of coloring right now? Looks to me there's usually when there's more colors, it usually means there's more rain. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we're looking at the uh, we're looking at beta down there, right, Mike? That's right. That is currently tropical storm beta. Guys, we've gotten to the Greek alphabet of naming tropical cyclones in the Atlantic Basin. Do you know the only other time that's ever happened, Sean? What other season? My guess is 2005. Bam! It killed it, bro. That is exactly right. 2005 is the only year that we've made it into the Greek alphabet, and we actually had two storms developed today alpha oh wait excuse me three storms we had wilfred alfred as uh, alpha excuse me and beta so alpha and beta are those greek alphabets let me say this right now 2005 is the only year we got to the greek alphabet right so we only had one other alpha and one other beta in history those storms developed back in october of 2005 we are literally a month ahead of what 2005 experience and that was our record-setting hurricane season right so it has been just yep. a tremendous amount an of activity. extremely active year as far as uh in, in the tropics and, and development of uh a lot of just all the tropical activity and we're going to get into more about maybe why that is and, and our current setup in the and mike mentioned a couple storms that we're, we're looking at and mike do we want to go to the maybe look at those a little bit more comprehensively yeah, well, let's let's take a quick look at this ten this this this, this wind plot, right? 
and and talk yep. about what's going on synoptically. So we Sean mentioned there's a high pressure system that's pretty much over the northeast, and it's going to sponsor some pretty chilly, uh, you know, weather for the time of year. I think there's going to be a freeze in some of the higher elevations of New England. I think I saw Albany, New York, supposed to get down to the mid 30s. It's going to be pretty chilly out there. That's a big high pressure system, and you can see in the wind field, right? You got this. The winds are are moving counter uh, clockwise around that um, around that circulation. And what's happening here is you see a lot of oranges and reds over the Western Atlantic, and that extends across Florida and into this tropical cyclone, this tropical storm beta. Yeah, and look at the, then that's the area we're interested in. And th again, this is not precipitation. This is wind. So the areas that are more red and orange and yellow, that's an indication of stronger winds, and that's what we're really interested in. And that's the feature that could in, um, influence weather in Tampa for this weekend. Yeah, it's, 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 it, the models are suggesting as the afternoon goes on, the wind could pick up a little bit, um, it, maybe in the second half of that that uh, Carolina at Tampa Bay game. So um, there is some some concern later in the game, but usually we don't see these big wind impacts unless it's like these strong winds for pretty much the entire game. That's why we're we're not too concerned here with the particular uh, game, you know, down in Tampa Bay. But there's a lot of interesting things going on here. Let's get a different view of this picture, right? Let's look out into the entire yep. um, in, entire Atlantic Basin and North America here, and let's look at cloud cover. And there's some prominent features on this map. Sean, what, hey, what Mike, sticks what out to you? What are looking at, by the way? What is this? Yeah, this is the, uh, this is the uh, satellite imagery. We're looking at essentially a, a combo of visible and infrared satellite. So you can actually see where the sun is still um, setting uh, over like the central western U.S. right now. You see some yellows in the surface of the, of, of the ground there, some cloud shadows. And then you can see all the white shadings and, and the purples here. These are clouds that we're seeing at night, nighttime uh, imagery showing that. And there's one big feature out here right over the western subtropical Atlantic, and that is Hurricane Major Hurricane Teddy. This is our, our second major hurricane of the 2020 season. And it's, it's beautiful. I love looking at these types of storms. Yeah. And you can actually look at one of the uh, signatures of a well-defined hurricane uh, is the eye of the hurricane. And I, I know it's a little bit small maybe on, on your screen here, uh, but you could see right in the middle of that hurricane, and I think Mike is actually zooming in here, yeah. is a well-defined eye. Um, and that usually indicates a very strong tropical storm or a very strong hurricane, strong circulation. Um, and that's what Teddy's doing right now. I'm like, what? What is? Uh, what's the category on Teddy right now? Is that a three or a? I'm sorry, yeah, three, right? It's a category three hurricane at this point in time. Um, I haven't looked at the latest ops from the National Hurricane Center. Why don't I bring this up quick and, and do a quick uh, a quick look at this while we have it up? So it actually is weakened a little bit, down to 125 mile per hour winds sustained. So we are at a, at a, a category three at the moment, but it's still a a healthy storm. Um, and you know, it, it, it does, there is a particular track towards the Bermuda location that is concerning for land, but this is not expected to landfall across the U S. So let's focus more on what's happening closer to the U S here and talk about this, this interesting pattern here with this clouds, right? Look at the Gulf of Mexico here. Yeah, and, and there's really three features here, right? Yeah. If you notice over the Gulf of Mexico, that was the the uh, the tropical storm beta that we were talking about trying to organize 
uh, over the, the central Gulf of Mexico, and, and we expect that to head north-northwest uh, very slowly. Uh, and then if you look over in the, uh, the upper right or the northeast portion, you would say, well, what is that? looks like there's a lot of cloud covers uh, there, too. That's associated with a front, a frontal boundary uh, that made its way past uh, the east coast and is now going off the uh, western Atlantic. Yeah, and, it, and the models are actually suggesting that Hurricane Teddy is going to interact with this big area of clouds and, and that, that, that frontal boundary area. And there's some issues in the models with how the storm interacts with that feature and if whether or not that interaction can result in a left turn. Yeah, ab absolutely. So, I mean, what we were going to show there, unfortunately, the windy site kind of collapsed, is that at high pressure is going to move off uh, into the northeast and then off into the Atlantic. And that's going to push the hurricane. First, it's going to push it kind of up to the north, and then it's going to redirect it a little bit west, and it's going to hit over eastern Canada. Yeah. It's like the Nova Scotia region. Yeah, it's going to be a pretty impactful storm there for those guys up there. It's a it's a tough one. And I know that um, it, at this point, right, it's going to be moving over some fairly cool ocean temperature waters. Um, so, and I think that the dynamics of this storm is going to transition from a predominantly like a warm core hurricane to something more cold core, which means it transitions transitions into an extra tropical cyclone. So. The Hurricane Center may drop this storm before it hits Nova Scotia, but it just brings back some bad memories of, of, of Hurricane Sandy, right? When when the Hurricane Center dropped the warnings of Sandy because it transitioned into a extra tropical cyclone, and then they actually called it a superstorm because it wasn't really a, a purely tropical system anymore. But we still saw those impacts, you know, the impacts from a, a, a Yeah, storm. of course. And we can we can see that here. And Mike, you bring up a good point, and the viewers may not know, hey, what's the difference between a hurricane or something tropical in nature and that of a extra tropical storm? And the big difference there is that a hurricane is it gets its life, it's fueled by latent heat. So it needs water because it needs to evaporate water. Yeah. If it doesn't have water, it's basically out of gas. Yeah. Okay, and when you have cool water, it diminishes the hurricane's ability to fuel that process. So when you go over cool water or over land, it really hurts the hurricane. Now, with an extra tropical storm, now the storms that we usually get across the United States, those are extra tropical. Those are what we call cold core systems, and those are driven what we call dynamically, and those are driven by the upper atmosphere. So we're talking up near the jet stream. And that's where they get their energy from. So to, even though they may look similar and have similar impacts, the, the way they work is very different. Yeah. So that, that's a great lesson there, Sean. And, uh, you know, if you guys are all, if anyone's a big weather fan on here and want to learn more about these types of things, we recommend an education uh, in meteorology because that's where, that's where Sean was able to kind of get all that information there from the good old university at Albany. Go UA. Uh, so. Absolutely. And we just had somebody come up. Uh, do we have any major weather events that we need to worry about? So the only impact, and this is what we were kind of, the, the reason that we may potentially have a wind impact over Tampa Bay, so we have Tampa Bay playing the Panthers, is because we have a really strong pressure gradient uh, setting up with high pressure over the northeast and a hurricane approaching the eastern seaboard. Now that hurricane is going to veer off to the north, 
but it's still going to create really strong winds. And that's what we're seeing in the reds and yellows and oranges here uh, along the east coast. And so over Tampa, we could get winds out of the east-northeast, and they could approach 20 miles an hour. So right now, we don't think there's going to be any big impacts because we think these winds are going to more intensify later in the game. So this isn't a whole game impact. But it's definitely something we're going to monitor up to game time. Uh, so right now, we have around 15 to 20 sustained and then maybe gust 20 plus. Um, but we don't expect there to be major impacts. And that is actually the only game that we're really concerned about right now. Yeah, pretty quiet week in the weather world with regards to football. But that being said, there's another disturbance on this map that I want to I kind of talk about here. And that's this tropical storm beta. So I'm actually going to bring up the National Hurricane Center, the map for the National Hurricane Center. And this is their outlook, right? So the Hurricane Center named Tropical Storm Wilfred over the eastern Maine development region today. Um, it's only at a 35-knot storm wind, a, a 35 knots a sustained winds. There was a, another developing subtropical storm, Alpha, that actually made landfall. Sean, do you know where it made landfall? Because it's pretty rare. Where did it make landfall, Mike? The coast of Iberia. A storm literally <laughs> developed right off the coast of Iberia and landfalled. This was the most bizarre thing I've ever seen because the National Hurricane Center put out a 30% chance that this storm had uh, to, to develop. And then the next update, boom, we have a subtropical storm. And now we're like, everyone in the weather community was looking at Tropical Depression 22, which is now Tropical Storm Beta. And they were thinking that this storm was going to be alpha. But, but, but this was a complete surprise for, for a lot of the folks in the community and we start alpha landfall across iberia and now we're watching this tropical storm beta and i'm gonna yeah and just, and sorry i didn't mean to cut you off there mike but mike can you actually just go back real quick oh because i want to point out a, i, I want to point out a, an interesting feature sure. if you can go i'm back. going back here we go mike what do you notice off the west coast of africa and as you progress further west uh, so I see um, a, a number of things in here. There is a, a area of clear air right off the coast of Western Africa. And that is something that is known as a dry and dusty air mass called a Saharan air layer, so Saharan air layer outbreak. And it's essentially this plume of dusty dry air that causes essentially um, clouds to be pretty much suppressed or reduced but it also pushes off dust particles right over the atmosphere. So if anyone was living across the northern half of the U.S., right, over this last week, what happened? What was a, a rare phenomena that happened um, to the sun? It was, it was blocked by something. Yeah, yeah. what do we call that? Well, we're, it, was, it was a bunch of fire um, um, smoke that was evicted off the wildfires out over the western U.S., and it got pushed by the jet stream across the northern half of the U.S. And it literally blocked some of the sun from... I'm in, I'm in Boston, guys. And I couldn't even... like the sun, It looked like it was cloudy. But literally, there were no clouds in the sky. It was literally smoke. So that aerosols in the air was ca caused, essentially, um, this disruption in the visibility of the sun getting down. And this is what happens underneath... Under, the same exact process happened, under, happens underneath the Saharan air layer. So... Yeah, and what I what I also noticed there is maybe in a, a wave train setting up. Oh yeah, so we we have we have one right after yep. the other. If you look at, you have Teddy, then we have Wilfred, and then we have another one or a couple others developing off the uh, 
off the west coast of Africa, yeah. the Saharan coast there. And that's a, not an atypical thing to occur, these tropical wave trains where you have one storm forming over the, or, or forming over the next um, in like basically one right after the other. Yeah, we, we, you know, these are things that I studied in graduate school, right? Um, focusing on African easterly waves and, and these dynamics and how, how to understand when you get these periods of easterly wave trains that turn into hurricane, wave, hurricane trains. Um, we're seeing that right now, right? We're seeing these, a, numer a number of these easterly waves develop into tropical cyclones or hurricanes. Um, and it does look like there's another wave coming off the coast of Africa. We are at, what, September 18th. The West African monsoon is starting to shut down, right? We're getting it to that point of year where the, the Atlantic Basin and the African continent transitions out of the summertime and moves into the fall time. When that happens, we typically see the easterly waves stop pumping off of Africa. And that's just a normal progression, right? Um, mm -hmm. And what typically happens in the hurricane season is we see the, 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 the developing tropical cyclones happen closer to home pretty much similar to what happened with Beta over the Gulf of Mexico or over the Caribbean Sea. Yeah, I mean, and what, and what you mentioned, which is super rare, is that we're having these African easterly waves, these wave trays setting up. We're already into the Greek alphabet, and it's only September. Yeah. I mean, we have tropical storms or tropical development that could go through November. Yeah. Because remember, the, the, you may say, well, I thought you know it needed to be warm for hurricanes, but remember that water has a higher specific heat, okay? So it stays warmer longer and cooler longer. It's harder to warm it up. So even though we're going into fall and things are getting cooler for us, the ocean waters are still really warm. Mm. So there's still a lot of potential for more storms to form as we transition into fall here. Yeah, and that's something to keep in mind for the upcoming winter season if you live along the eastern seaboard. If those ocean temperatures stay warmer relative to normal standards, it could act to, you know, enhance some some storm tracks along the eastern seaboard, which allows for maybe some stronger coastal nor'easters. So something that we obviously can't predict this far out, um, but it's yeah. something that is to keep in mind. So I just want to quickly turn the the, uh, the attention back to beta here because this is the this is going to be the main event. Um, as we look into the next week in weather in the weather world and the national hurricane center, this is the website that I'm on. They're the guys that the experts that protect our, you know, try to protect our lives and property and gives us the most up-to-date warning information. They're the official word. If you guys have any, you know, questions about what to do um, during hurricanes or, or how to prepare for them, there's a lot of useful information from this website, but the, the national hurricane center is predicting that this tropical storm beta may intensify into a hurricane as it approaches the Texas coast. Now, take a look at this track, Sean. That is a very interesting track where essentially mm -hmm. next 24 hours or 48 hours, it tracks kind of due north. Then it takes this left turn towards Texas, and then it intensifies into a hurricane. And what do you see yeah. about the cone here of uncertainty? What do you notice as time goes on? that that cone of uncertainty gets a lot greater. So what that's telling us is that forecasters are not really certain exactly where this is going to end up. And it's a slow mover. It's stalling out. Yeah. So that could be a really big problem because if it stalls out over land, there's constant precipitation and rain that's going to occur across coastal 
um, Texas here, and there could be some flooding issues. Yeah, I mean, the last storm that comes to mind when we're talking about Texas hurricanes is that, that stall is Hurricane Harvey. Um, and Hurricane Harvey produced over 40 inches of rain in parts of southeastern Texas. It was uh, completely flooded out there. And you have to worry about this. This could be another historical rain event, uh, depending on, on, on the precise track of this tropical cyclone. Um, I do have an interesting tidbit, Sean. And we'll do a little, a little that, weather Mike? trivia here, okay? <laughs> All right, let's do trivia. Everyone loves trivia. All right, so do you know how many storms have hit the U.S. to date? In this year, I'm sorry, in the current 2020 season, how many storms has made landfall over the U.S.? Has it been less than six? No. Between six and, and eight or greater than eight? No. Greater than eight. Okay. Yes. So we've had eight storms. <laughs> oh, so it was, <laughs> it was eight. Okay. But that being said, <laughs> that being said. Close enough. <laughs> this storm here is number nine right? Number nine. So nine tropical storms or, or hurricane strikes in the, in the U S and that actually ties a record that ties a record for the most number of storms to strike the U S in a given season. Now here's the other trivia question I have for you. And it's a, it's a multiple choice. I'm going to give you three, three, three um, options. Excuse me. What year holds the record for the most number of landfalling Tropical cyclones across the continental U.S. Is it A, 1916, B, 2005, or C, 2018? Ooh, yeah, you have you have a variety in there. I mean, my I, I want to go with 2005 because it was an incredibly active season, um, and we had a lot of strong, also landfalling hurricanes. But I'm interested in why you threw in 1916 in there. But I'm going to still go with my gut in 2005. Oh, you almost had it, Sean. I, 2005 was the trap answer there. 1916 was the right answer. And it, we had, we had uh, nine. You're, you're right on there, man. That was, that was great logic. <laughs> I was wondering. That was a very random date. I was like, okay, there had to be something that occurred <laughs> in 1916. Yeah. <laughs> so that's 1916. We had nine landfalling storms, and that's the record. Um, so um, this obviously is, you know, we're obviously going to to tie that record here. I, I'm I'm pretty sure. And since it's only the second or third week of September, we have a real shot of breaking that record. And that's kind of crazy when you think about what has happened in 2020. It's the year of the unknown, yeah. and I feel like everything is just coming at once, including weather. <laughs> it's just plowing us over, Sean. It just oh, makes man. us feel it's like we're incredible. humans because we are. You know, everyone is in this together. So exactly, it's it's crazy. Um, do we have anything else as far as hurricanes, or do we want to kind of look at maybe what to expect over the next month or two or three here? Well, uh, before we get to the, the yeah, so I have one of uh, two other things I want to show, two images I want to show here. Okay. And then we can talk about a little bit about the the upcoming month because everyone loves looking at the upcoming month of weather. We had some pretty significant forest fires out across you know parts of the Pacific Northwest into California. Now I'm glad you're bringing this up. The forest fires in California are common, right? We, we see these things happen during dry years. And it's pretty dry in California. You know, it's, it, it was a desert at one point, right? And then it rained a lot and we got some greenery and people moved out there 
at some point in, in our nation's history. And now we're starting to see it dry up again. And we're seeing a lot more forest fires. And we're seeing the forest fires. There was a period of extreme heat up the coast of the western U.S. And it dried things out. And there was, I think, a number of reasons why we had forest fires. I actually saw one reason um, on, on the news. Someone did a gender reveal party out there and did some kind of explosive bomb. And it, whatever it blew up to be blue or pink, it would be a boy or girl. And I think from that explosion, we saw one of this very massive fire, forest fire out there. Just, just boggles your mind, you know. It's like, I, I hope it was worth it for them. Hey, I mean, I don't, I don't know, because a lot of people lost homes in that. But I want to bring up some imagery um, from the Pacific Northwest of what actually life looked out, looked like out there. This is an image of a man cutting his grass in in in, in Oregon. I mean, he's got a mask on. It's kind of hard to see the pixelation, but look at the red tint to the sky. Sean, if you were to see this image, where the heck do you think this guy would be? What, what would be the first thing that you would think? God, he'd be on like Mars or something. Yeah, I'm like, did we just did we just colonize Mars and we have trees and plants out there? Because what the hell is going on? Um, let's take a look at another image here. This is another crazy... Oh, man. That feels like it's like a filter. Yeah, I know, right? And it also looks like Mars has UPS delivery now. So, I mean... <laughs> it's it's pretty wild. So I, I mean, I just wanted to share these images here because I mean, and this isn't at night. I'm guessing this is at least during the day at some point. At some point, and so with with all that particulate matter in the air, it basically that particulate matter reflects, mm. absorbs and reflects uh, the sun's uh, rays in different ways, yep. and that's why it looks very red to us. So it's the same reason why we have the sky that's blue. It's something called Rayleigh scattering. It's how the particles in the in the gases scatter the in the visible light spectrum, um, and so that's why this looks like it's almost red. Yeah, that's kind of kind of different than what we're used to. I mean, typically at night we see the blue enhance during during sunset, right? We call this the blue hour, and that happens because exactly what you just said. When the sun is setting along the the horizon. That light is getting bent, and it's essentially scattering out a lot of this red coloring out to space, and all that's left is the blue in the sky. So if you look at like a white wall during sunset or um, during the blue hour, that's why we see a lot more blue, sh like shades of blue at night. So this was something I've never seen before, and it is wild. All right, so let's transition off a little bit here into the upcoming few weeks across the U.S. I have a a weather map here. Um, this is the American subseasonal model. This is the CFS V2 model, right? Um, and what we're looking at are temperature departures from normal. So wherever you see the yellows and the reds and the pinks, essentially showing you where temperatures are going to be warmer than average. Um, and especially getting to those reds and pinks, those are going to be much warmer than average. And then on the other side, we have the blues and purples and pinks, right? And that, uh, uh, that's essentially your temperatures were, are colder than average. So this is the forecast for the next week, right? And we're seeing this split in temperatures across the U.S. We have a lot of anomalous warmth across the northwestern two-thirds of the nation and a lot of below-normal temperatures over the eastern U.S. And we, we actually alluded to this earlier, right, Sean? The, the colder-than-average temperatures are there because of a certain pressure pattern, right? What, what is that? Uh, are you talking about the high? Pressure? I am. That was, yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there was. I mean, there's, and that, that exactly. That's what we were looking at in the beginning here. 
Uh, we had a high pressure over the, uh, over the Great Lakes and over the Northeast. And what happens is because winds travel clockwise around a high, so on the front side of the high, it's funneling in all the cold air from Canada. All right. And the same reason why it's warmer on the West Coast, because on the back end of a high, you have air coming up from the tropics. So you have, you have an area that's going to be much warmer. And so these, these large synoptic patterns, you may think of them as just bringing weather, or, you know, nice weather or cloudy weather or rainy weather, but they also are responsible for advecting, we call this advection in meteorology, um, advecting temperatures into different areas. Hey, Sean, talk about weather. What's your favorite type of weather, bud? I grew up, my, the reason I got into weather is because of tornadoes. Oh. That is the reason that I got into weather. So that is severe weather, mesoscale meteorology, we call that, is my favorite. You had a pretty big severe weather event this year, right, where you live in Chicago. We had what was called a derecho. Um, and so these are rare events. Um, they're usually typically a, a, a linear bowing uh, of, of storms. And they're associated with really, really strong winds, straight line winds uh, that can exceed even 100 miles an hour at times. And these are driven by the upper atmosphere. Um, so basically what the atmosphere does is it drags down all the really, really high wind speeds aloft, okay, way up in the air, and brings them toward the surface. And so we had some winds here. There were several trees down. People had property damage. There was house damage. Um, and this, the other thing with this derecho is it extended all the way from Iowa into Wisconsin into Illinois. So this wasn't just an isolated one small region. This was a widespread event. Uh, it, I remember seeing the pictures from from your wife uh, and, and posting them to social, you know, social media of of all the damage that was kind of scattered about the streets of Chicago. You you just don't expect to see weather like that. In a major city, right? I mean, I I, yeah. I wouldn't expect and, to see a derecho where I live. No. I mean, and we had a tornado, a confirmed sighting of a tornado in Rogers Park. Um, so sometimes it's really difficult to determine, hey, was this straight line wind damage uh, or was this a, a tornado? But there's certain things that the surveyors look for, and they determined that there was a weak tornado that came through uh, in the Chicago area as well. So, yeah, it was a pretty profound event. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to – while you're talking, I was trying to bring up the pictures from Kate, uh, from Katie's site, but my computer is too laggy, so I can't do it. So let's move into this upcoming forecast here and look at the uh, how the how the temperature pattern is going to evolve here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, so this is a model's prediction. These, these are not the views of, of Sean and I. We're just kind of going over what the models are showing right now. But it does appear that the models, this particular model, wants to keep that warm pattern out across the western U.S. And that concerns me a little bit, Sean, because it makes me a little worried about the fires that, that have been happening out there. The fires, have been yes, dry there. and warm. Yeah. The, the bigger issue there is how dry it is, right? If they're not getting any precipitation um, and it's just continuing to be dry, uh, that's going to add fuel for this fire, um, and it's not going to help matters. Yeah, it's it's pretty unfortunate situation that's happening out there, um, and a lot of it has to do with how the Pacific jet is oriented, and we, we, we have this pretty much like the Aleutian. What's, what is a jet, by the way, Mike? Uh, it's a really bad football team. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is that what you're looking for? Because 
Uh, I mean, I actually I wasn't, but I'm glad you added it because it's it's also true. Okay, well, I'm allowed to say it because I'm a Jets fan living in New England. My life sucks. Um, anyway, let's let, so yeah, a jet is essentially a, a flow in the atmosphere of air that is accelerated, uh, and it's it's usually they they can happen at different levels in the atmosphere. The most common level we look at the jet stream is usually uh, pretty high up around um, you know anywhere between. 300 and 200 millibars, uh, which is close to the tropopause. That's a very sciencey term, essentially the layer in the atmosphere that separates the tropo, the troposphere from the stratosphere. Um, but this is where that jet stream is usually peaked. And we typically see these jet streams set up because of their, uh, temperature gradients, right? That's what we, we were just showing earlier in the show. Yep, ab absolutely. So you're saying that and remember that we were actually talking about, hey, areas of high pressure and areas of low pressure. So the jet stream is a major component of why areas of low pressure and high pressure develop, right, Mike? That's right. That, 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 that is definitely one component there. And all that feeds back with, on the circulation. Those pressure differences feed on the circulation, which then feed back on the temperatures. And it just kind of, it's called like uh, thermal wind balance, essentially. Everything is trying to get back into, into order. The atmosphere does not like to be unstable. So this is the week three forecast here. Looks very similar to our week one, right? Almost a spitting image. The, 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 the focus of most anomalous warmth kind of shifts a little bit further west, but does suggest more below normal temperatures for the eastern U.S. And then as we get into a little bit further out into la-la land, I like to call, as we get into this area where there's, the, there's little scale in the models, they're just pretty much showing above normal temperatures pretty much over every U.S. state in the lower 48. Yeah. And so one thing I want to point out here is if you're looking at the color bar and you're looking at that there's threes and fours and fives, that's that's not actually the temperature that we're looking yeah. at. That's something called an anomaly. And this is a basically a departure from what we expect, a departure from the normal. So when something is a positive anomaly, that means in this case it's greater than we expect. So the temperature is greater than we expect. And when we see negatives, it's below what we expect, or below normal. So in this case, we see below normal temperatures. Um, Above. But it, it, in, in this particular map, we have all reds and yellows and oranges. So what that's telling us is temperatures are above what we would expect for this time of year. Yeah, we're looking at end of October here into you know the wee hours of November. And whenever you see these really anomalous warm patterns in the fall, there's actually a name for them. Sean, do you, do you know what that name is by chance? Are you t uh, no, no. I'm, I'm trying to think. What, what, what term are you looking for? They're called Indian Summers. Oh, Indian Summers. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bring out the old terminology. I thought, I thought you were talking about a slightly more meteorological term. Oh, but yeah. I mean, that's pretty meteorology <laughs> to me in Indian Summer. Like, everyone understands what that is. So, um, essentially, when you get these pretty benign patterns during the fall. But, you know what? As, as you get out this far... There is always these chaotic things that can happen in the atmosphere to change these models' predictions. You know, we, the models don't handle the tropics well. There's, we, we know we've we've had a very quiet West Pacific typhoon season. Had a couple big recently, a couple big typhoons that has made our jet stream more amplified and has brought some cooler weather for us in the U.S. and the eastern U.S. Probably sparked some of the fires out in the West too. But, um, you know. The models miss these types of features out at these leads. And those are the things that can really ca cause us to have um, what I like to call first forecast curveballs. 
right? We, we just can't really predict those features and how that interacts with the, the pattern that impacts yeah. us. So that, there's and, still those chances to happen. I mean, and yeah, we, this is, I don't know if you've ever heard of like chaos theory, right? But as we get further out and as our models try to predict further out, it becomes more difficult because their mistakes or the mistakes the models make become amplified and it could completely distort what the actual prediction or, or forecast is. So that's why you're saying, oh, why can't we know exactly what's gonna go on in, in, in a week? Well, that's because models have a really tough time resolving with the accuracy needed to be precise enough a week out. We're good to about three or four days. We're pretty darn accurate. But when we get to the five, six, seven day mark, things start to fall apart a little bit, but we are getting better. Yeah, so I'm gonna bring this all back together, right? We're the fancy football weather guys. We're, we, we are here to kind of educate you guys on, on meteorology concepts. We're both degreed meteorologists, but we're also here to kind of talk about how the weather plays into football. And, and player production and when you see a long-range forecast that looks pretty benign a lot of above normal temperatures and potentially dry conditions it, it suggests potentially uh you know we're going to be pretty quiet in, in the nfl season with regards to really high impact weather events but you know that that's common we, we, we're used to this in in the in the spring and i mean the summer late summer and fall early fall yeah i i agree and the other thing i want to mention here is that you know, we, we want to make this interactive because, I mean, a lot of times when we talk about weather, you see it on TV, it's a news station, it's the weather channel, um, and it's it's hard to make, you may have questions for those people, right, as they're going through the weather, why is this happening, what do you expect here, and it's, it's really difficult to interact, they're kind of just saying one thing and kind of moving on, so we want to bring an interactive component here, so if you have any questions for us, whether, you know, whether that be fantasy impacts due to weather, which are very limited this week, fortunately or unfortunately, um, but also if you just have any general weather questions or any, any questions about what we discussed, we are, you know, we want to be here to, to answer them for you. So if you got anything, let us, let us know and feel free to comment, you know, throughout our, throughout our talks when we do this. Yeah. And I, I do want to say this right now, since the weather is pretty benign right now, and we expect it to be for the next, you know, few weeks, it's your chance and an opportunity to come and chat with us, right? Because when things start to pick up, and we start to see more traffic in here from the real fantasy football fans that need to get, and you know, they're going to ask a lot of questions. We saw it last year when, when Sean and I were handled the Sunday um, Twitter stream, we got a, I would say potentially like over a hundred questions in, in, a, in an hour or two. And we're sitting there trying to answer all that. We are shifting that entire process to Twitch during those high impact events on Sundays. So if you want to ask your questions on anything about the weather, educational purposes, et cetera, this is when you should do it now in these early season uh, for the NFL on our, on our 8 p.m. show here on Fridays. And then on, you know, because eventually what's going to happen here is, is some of the die, the diehard fans come in. They're going to start to ask questions specifically on football and how weather impacts those football games that they care about. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, what we're trying to do here is we don't have a lot to talk about with how weather is going to impact fantasy football so we want to kind of bring, like Mike mentioned, an, an educational component, kind of like a fun component. What's going on with the weather? Why is it behaving the way it is? What are we going to expect the weather to do? Um, and so, you know, we're trying to make it a little bit more fun and interesting. So if, you know, if you guys have any suggestions for us, please, you know, shout them out. Or if you have any questions, let us know. All right, Big Sean. I think we, uh, we've covered enough of the weather. We, uh, we're looking at a, a, a NFL Week 2 starting in, in within, what, 72 hours or just under 72 hours now it's friday night so i'm uh i'm hoping that yep. things are go a little better for me in our league of record 
hopefully I'll break 100 points this week. I'd love to do that. But um, I know that I'm playing one of the top teams in the league, so I'm probably going to lose. Oh, who are you playing? I'm playing Alpha Tone. Oh, you're playing Tony. Yeah. Our buddy Tony won the league last year, so he's got he's got a strong team. Yeah, he does. How, he beat me last week. So and you had a pretty <laughs> solid week too. How, how how do you think you're gonna do this week here on the upcoming uh, um, Sunday? I'm not, I mean, it's not off to a good start. The person I'm playing had Tyler Boyd, so uh, he had about 17 points or so. And yeah. I I'm going against some really tough defenses. You know, Josh Jacobs is going against you know the Saints. Uh, I got Clyde Edwards Hilaire. I got um, Drew Brees. Um, who, you know, mm. doesn't have Michael Thomas now. Huge loss. So there, there are a lot of question marks. But yeah, it was just a tremendous yeah, amount of injuries. Gotta, uh, you know, you got to, yeah, you just got to, you got to make it through. It's going to be a tough week. But ride we'll that, ride that waiver wire, folks, if you're having issues with your, your injury bug, because there's been a ton of them. All right. So I'm, I'm Doc V. You can follow me at MJ Ventures on Twitter. This is my buddy, meteorologist Sean Bratton. You can follow him at Sean D. Bratton on Twitter as well. Any questions, please feel Absolutely. free to tweet at us. And, we'll, and the FF Weather Guys, follow us there and look for updates going into this weekend uh, regarding any weather, impactful weather for fantasy purposes. All right, guys, good luck. Week two is upon us.